I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Are you serious? Hello there. Welcome to How to Kill an Hour. My name is Marcus Bronzy. There's plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you in advance for killing some time with us. Today I am joined by our glorious long-haired full-bearded, smiley-eyed producer Bill. How you doing, Bill? You right, mate? Not too bad, mate. Thank you. Not too bad. Smiley-eyed, though. What's smiley-eyed? Your eyes are smiley. You've got, like, happy eyes. You've not got, like, that sound before. Eyes. You ever seen, like, a picture of somebody and they do that, like, a meme and they kind of zoom in on just their eyes and it's like they're smiling, but when you zoom in on their eyes, you, you see that they're actually like, hello, darkness, my old friend. Oh, that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've got a great guest coming up on today's show. I can't wait to introduce you to them. But first things first, with How to Kill an Hour, every episode, we like to talk about a way that we've been killing time recently. Billy, can I just say, I've seen you on the PSN store. Yeah, I've seen you on PSN absolutely nailing full guys again. I'm chasing that dub. I what haven't got dub? it yet. Have you not had the dub yet? No. Whoa. I've got close a couple of times, but I just haven't, haven't managed to get it yet. How close have you got to the win in, in this? Uh, within touching distance. You know, the um, full mountain where you climb up and you have to jump to grab the, um, the crown? Yeah. I've jumped. I've been, I've been, I've been in midair and someone else has got it instead. Did you swear at the TV? It was kind of like, ah, oh, fuck. And then that was it. <laughs> did you throw the control pad on the floor like I did when I played Fall Guys for a, for a few times? No, no. <laughs> okay, cool. That's really good to hear. Uh, well, you know what, bruv? It's one of those things. But like, what I'm going to presume is that people are now better at Fall Guys than they used to be a few weeks ago. So the win is even harder to get. I would assume so, yeah. It's been out for a month now, so. Yeah, what a if game. If you're late to the game, you have to pay 15 quid now. <laughs> <laughs> You have to, really, yeah. Yeah, it was um, free. Yeah, it was free. Yeah. Uh, also, for all of the COD people that are playing, this is something that's going to be so relevant within like three days, but whatever. There was a massive glitch in Warzone. Did you hear about this? They've taken all the vehicles out of the map. No, no I've, not, I've not seen this, no. Somebody found a glitch. If you get in a car and drive in a certain part of the map, the whole game crashed. Everybody gets kicked out. So well, the, and then the person who drove in wins. No, the person who drove in just cancels the whole game. But what you, what you have found, though, is that if, to fix it in the interim, developers have just taken all vehicles out of the game. That's the ultimate troll move, that yeah. is hilarious. Uh, so there's no, yeah, there's no vehicles at the moment. Um, 
Anyway, right. So, how have I been killing time recently? I've actually been sent over. Audi have sent us over the first vehicle, first bit of work we've done with them editorially, and they sent us over the e-tron, which is their electric offering, which they first offered last year. Um, it's part of uh, uh, let's say an acute range of Audi vehicles that they've got on their electric range where they've got another uh, flavor of the e-tron is the other car that they offer. But I didn't drive that. I drove the e-tron regular edition instead of the Sportback. And it's a vehicle that is very interesting. I think when I first thought about driving an electric Audi, I thought, right, I want some quality from it. Do you know what I mean, Bill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, cool. good. Um, I'd want it to look good because it's a nice car. And... I also, when I'm driving an SUV, which this is, this is I also want to feel like I have a bit of space in it. Audis are quite renowned for having quite good legroom. I'm over six foot, and I think in terms of like their little hatchbacks, I think the A3 was the first vehicle I could sit in and be like, oh my gosh, there's actually enough legroom in here. Do you know what I mean? So I wanted to be space in it. And it was a very interesting experience driving the e-tron. And I suppose we'll talk about the quality of the car first, and then we'll talk about the electric experience because there's a few factors that kind of can affect your electric experience. So obviously I saw the car. It looked like an Audi. It looked like an Audi SUV. So, you know, if you're familiar with the Q7 or maybe that's a bit bigger, the Q5 or the Q3 range, it looked just like that, you know, a bit, bit higher off the ground, uh, a bigger, taller car, big broad looking vibe look like a nice little whip bruv yeah or a big cool. yeah nice big car <laughs> got in it it was obviously uh, a press edition so they've specced it out had nice leather seats in it plenty of space in it an onboard system which actually has apple carplay integrated in it which is something that still isn't available in every single vehicle i'm in and i'm really happy that they've just made that a matter of fact thing because it's great for vehicles to have good onboard systems but when it comes to kind of using your navigation or messaging or communicating with people, I think that they shouldn't be trying to work too hard in making their systems better in their vehicle. Um, they should make them good. But, you know, in terms of having the Apple experience by plugging into to CarPlay, I was totally happy with that. Do you know what I mean? It's very nice to have a familiar feel when you're using a vehicle and you're trying to communicate with people like you know you might want to make a call you can just press one button on the steering wheel say siri call this person blah 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 you haven't got to like learn a whole new set of commands or a new system to go through with that being said they've got a pretty comprehensive onboard system it's nice and simple you've got a touchscreen device you've also got a few buttons that you can click and press to negotiate the uh, settings that you have in the onboard system so yeah on that front it was really good it was nice. It was a, it was a, a vibey drive. Um, in terms of space, to go back to that, it had plenty of space in the front for me, had plenty of space in the passenger side to the left of me, and we were doing some filming, uh, and we had a couple of more six-footers who were actually sitting in the back of the car while we were driving it around as well, Bill. So it's, it's got that capacity, yeah? So <clears throat> with a name like e-tron, is it, is it fully electric? I know some cars have like a, a, a petrol part to it or... Something, something else to it. Is, it. is it full electric? Very good question. Let me ask that in 20 seconds. Uh, 660 litres, I just found out, is what the capacity in the back of it is. And for me, I hate that because I'm like, I don't carry litres, I carry things. So that's 16 carry-on cases. I also could jump in the boot and fit in it as well, Billy. Just so you know, that's a good measure of, of measurement. I'm six foot tall and I'm a big lad, so I've got in the boot. But yeah, electric. It's a fully electric vehicle, Billy. 100% electric. So it, rec- it came with about 170 miles on it charge and its capacity was apparently 249 miles on a full charge. 
Now, we actually did a mileage test. We shot a video for that. And I, I don't know, shall I give a little teach? Shall I say what happens in the video? Or do we at least leave the video to talk about that, Bill? I would say a little bit of a tease. I was pleasantly surprised at the capacity, at the mileage. Because usually when you hear mileage like estimates for cars, they, you presume that they're done in the best kind of in, environment ever. You know, a flat road a flat test environment with no bumps in it, not much harsh braking or harsh accelerating. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm probably only going to get 200 miles out of this. But I was pleasantly surprised. Um, what I will say on that note is, Bill, I ran the battery on the vehicle within five miles of range because I was doing a range test, right? <laughs> and um, this isn't the car's fault at all. In the time that I took to drive the car up to Birmingham and back again and a few other places to do the range test, two of my closest high-speed chargers broke. Nothing to do with me. When I went to use them, they were out of service. So that left me in a bit of a sticky situation, a bit of a sticky one still, where I had to find an electric charger within five miles. Now, luckily, I found one. Uh, There were a couple, actually. uh, There there were a couple that I found, but they were seven-kilowatt chargers. Um, and again, I hate when people just throw numbers at you. Um, let me give you some numbers and, and perspective, though, to help you. So 100 kilowatts can apparently charge this car relatively quickly. I think it's like 45 minutes or, or, or half an hour. It can get to 80%. On the streets, the fastest ones that I could find were like 43 kilowatts. And you'd find that they would charge up your car. You know, you could leave it there for like three or four hours if, if, if you're allowed to leave it there because a lot of car chargers that are in the city is kind of uh, limit you to 90 minutes you can get a decent charge out of it i found a seven kilowatts charger so i needed like hours <laughs> it, took tw- it took 12 hours to charge the car fully to get it to 80 percent it's that's that's you know it can take about eight eight hours i think it said on that charger but then those chargers they is they can give you that much electricity sometimes but sometimes they might run a bit faster sometimes a little bit less so when you're driving an electric vehicle when you are traveling around it's important to remember that the electric charge that you get your car can only charge as quickly as, as the charger can give to you. It's like using, you know, the back of a Samsung TV. I'm just looking at one in the studio now. Using the back of a LCD TV to charge your phone. We all know that doesn't charge your phone quickly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Compared to when you plug it into one of those new Apple big block chargers, when you plug your iPhone into that, you know, you get a nice little charger real quick. Um, but what Audi do when you do purchase the car though, they do, you do get the EV grant where I think you get 350 quid off the cost of a home wall box. And I think they have a pod, point, a pod point wall box offer where new customers receive a complimentary seven kilowatt wall box when ordering the e-tron. Now, seven kilowatts is long when you've got to drive around, but if you drive your car back home and plug it in overnight, that all of a sudden doesn't become that much of an issue, does it, Bill? No, get home from work, say, yeah, it's around about seven o'clock. And then by the time you wake up in the morning to go to work again, it's going to be full. Exactly. And another thing about charging too, was is that you get a complimentary one-year subscription to the e-tron charging service now what the e-tron charging service is is it's 140 charging stations across europe in 24 countries with one card and i also believe the audi app now is is they're using it up so you can use it so you can it's a network of uh you know well-priced electricity that you can find for your vehicle and i think another thing that car companies want to do is make sure that yeah they have a electric car with a good mileage but where are you going to charge it so that you have a good network so i think audi are trying to look forward by having the e-tron network where you can charge your vehicle as well um i think should, yeah go on there should be like a standard 
like a charge in place. So I don't know, for example, Shell, instead of having like a Tesla charger just for Teslas and Audi charger just for Audis, I think every car maker should make, I don't know whether this is true well, or standard now, the, the, the plug should all be the same for every single car. I think there are some standard size plugs. So you know how, like, how we've got micro USB, USB-C and an Apple Lightning cable, yeah? There are a few flavors of electric vehicles and most chargers can commit to charging for, for any kind of charger that you have for your car, right? Tesla chargers, the, most of the commercial ones do not allow you to charge any other car than a Tesla on it, right? When you do have some of the Tesla chargers that are in um, like little uh, rural areas or pubs or, or, or hotels, what you will find is there'll be one charger just for Teslas and another one for all electric cars. And you can actually sometimes charge on those for free, which is quite nice when they are working though. But yeah, you're right, Billy. We should have, I think we should have a standardized electric plug that all cars use and that would be great. And I think what you'll find is what Tesla is doing is they're, they're, own, they're looking to own the network, aren't they? The network of chargers because that's where the power is, isn't it? Like if you think about yeah. it, current fuel, the power is in the petrol stations. If there was one petrol station in London, you know that they're going to be sold out of petrol. That's where everyone goes to get their petrol. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I think to counter that again, you can charge your vehicle at home if you have the charger set up. So that's great as well. And I know in some areas of London, they're actually doing the uh, lamppost charging as well. A couple of roads in my area in London got the lamppost charging. Uh, I'm trying to think about what else has the vehicle got uh, that we got in here that we need to talk about. I mean, it's, it's, it's I'll talk about the performance bill. Like a foot down. Ooh. Yeah, electric vehicles, if you <laughs> don't know, they are like go-karts. You put your foot down and they go real, real fast. Um, we're talking like 0 to 60 sub five seconds out here, sub six seconds out here. It's, it's mad. It's mad. And, and, and yeah, it's, it feels quite, it feels lovely. Um, but then if you do that, you lose a, like a mileage of energy as well. So like I, for me, when I'm electric driving, I kind of like, it's like a little game for me. How, how far can I go without rinsing the battery? Do you know what I mean? But um, in terms of, I mean, we do do a, a, a much more in-depth review on a video, which we're going to drop on the How to Clean Our Facebook, which you can see shortly as well. Um, probably we drop it on our YouTube as well. Any other questions, Billy, about the vehicle that you want me to tell you about? Uh, no, I'm just looking forward to this, to this video. Just okay. yeah, look at it. I will say one thing about the e-tron, right? We'll end on this. If you are an Audi driver and you have an SUV and you want an Audi experience, I think this is the kind of vehicle for you. I noticed this a couple of times on our shoot, right? A couple of people were like, what are you shooting? You know, you see a camera, see a car, they ask you, and we go, oh, it's the new Audi electric car. And they go, it's this electric. Oh, okay. Because they almost want it to look like that high-tech R8 slash TT crossover that you see Will Smith driving in, in iRobot. Do you know what I mean? They almost expect it to look like, you know, have these eagle doors that fold out the side, you know, for it to look like a transformer. So if you want that from an electric vehicle, you're not going to get that. But if you want a vehicle that looks like an actual car, <laughs> then you are going to get that. Do you know what I mean? I think that's, that's quite, there's two markets there. There's two types of people. I think I know some people like me, I'm kind of low key sometimes. Yeah. I'm low key. I like to have nice things, but I'm low key. And that's what you get with the e-tron. You're not, you're not going to roll in and, and it's going to have like flashing LEDs on the side of it. Does that make sense? Bill? Yeah. But I know some people might want that, but all in all, it's a fun drive. Um, the mileage was good. I think for me, my feedback across all electric vehicles is I want more mileage than I can get off a petrol car. When you get there, 
then I think you're going to, then there's no excuse for people not to be switching over. Do you know what I mean? Um, and obviously faster charging and we'll just get that as the, as the infrastructure grows. I mean, the more that these companies try to have their own networks, like we've got the Audi electronic network, we're talking about the e-tron network and, and, you know, governments and councils invest in time in it. We're going to have better electric experiences, but it was a great electric experience. I look forward to sharing it with everybody via video. Um, we'll put a link in it to the show, in the, in the show description when the video is live. Um, anyway, Bill, we're about to jump on to have a chat with a gentleman who won so many podcast awards in the 2019 British Podcast Awards that they told him he's not allowed to enter anymore. In fact, furthermore, he can be one of the head <laughs> judges on the chair of panels for the 2020 British Podcast Awards, which, of course, <laughs> picked up a little gong at. You know what I mean? Best interview. Do you know what I mean, Bill? Got me pretty pleased with that. Uh, yeah, we are about to talk to George the Poet. I mean, we're going to get into all of that. Um, he's an amazing guy, amazingly talented. We can't, I can't wait to discuss, you know, how his work is changing the world. And also, um, maybe we'll have a little chat about the fact that we're local boys as well. But before any of that, uh, the first thing I want to ask Mr. George the Poet when he jumps on the show is, how has his lockdown experience been of recent? I've got loads of post-its on my wall, all different colours, or arranged in a way so that they look like one art piece but I had to do that because being confined in uh, one space for lockdown someone like me my mind um, bounces around the walls and um, I wanted to take what I was thinking and look at it so it wouldn't feel like a fresh mess every single morning. <laughs> so uh, am I actually looking inside George's mind then? So behind yeah. you, I see inside your mind. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's real. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. And in terms of lockdown for you, I mean, you're somebody who's used to doing a lot of live performances as well as having a great, you know, social media presence as well. So I guess your weighting of the, the amount of people that you're seeing, your audience has been slightly different because you've been engaging them differently, right? Yeah, kind of. Of kind of um when I launched my podcast, I took it straight to the road before it even had a reputation. Um, so I used to be into the live thing um, very much. I did my first live show in in Kampala, Uganda, at the end of last year. I think that was the last. I mean, there there have been other performances. It was started to be February, March, where things started to get cancelled, obviously. Um, but uh, I I. The way I see it, it's like I'm in an infinite conversation with the audience. So if I don't get the opportunity to talk to them today, I'm going to have more to say tomorrow. Okay. All right. And you've definitely been saying a lot with your podcast, which I, I can't wait to discuss. In fact, you know what? Let's, let's just jump straight into it because obviously... Two, like the first season, have you heard George's podcast literally came out? I felt like it came out of nowhere and just slapped us with mm. realization mm. what you could actually do with a podcast. So yeah, before we even talk about season two, because I love the direction you've taken it in, can we talk about just how the first season of your podcast came to be? How how did what where did it start? Where did this acorn kind of grow into the tree that it is now? It's a great question, bro. Um and it's similar to what I was explaining about the post-its on my wall. I usually have a lot of thoughts flying around. And for the majority of my life, I've never been able to express all of those thoughts in one way. Um, rapping, I became a rapper when I was 15. That was my first outlet. 
when I went to uni, I was about 19. That's when I became a poet. It was a different audience. I didn't think they would understand me as a rapper. Poetry became my new outlet. When I left uni, I signed a record deal and it became musical poetry. And that gave me a new way to express myself and gave the audience new ways to imagine what we can do with lyricism. Um, but I left the record deal two years after I signed. And when I left, that's when I really had a lot of, I really felt like I had to go back to the drawing board because I, I, I didn't think that being a, a commercial radio artist would maximize my potential. Um, but I didn't know what would. I, I couldn't see anything that would really be a lane. I tried, I, I looked into TV, but then I saw the TV, the, the business behind the TV world would put me in a junior position relative to who I felt I, I really was in it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to prove my capabilities um, in a way that doesn't require me working up one industry at a time. I'm just going to do me. And if the industries that I'm interested in become interested in, in, in my expression, then we can have a more, you know what I'm saying, a more respectful conversation. So the podcast sprang from me realizing that podcasting is one space where I can probably get more off of my chest than I would in a song, but it's not quite TV. So I won't need a big team. I just put together these different sounds and ideas that I've got in my brain and it became a new thing. Yeah, it's amazing. Isn't it great that with a podcast, and you do a lot of this across your podcast, is you describe things, sometimes in really great detail, so we can see it the way you want us to see it. But then also, you might just say, you know, for example, you're, you're in a room or you're in a certain area, and, and me as a listener, I'm going to use my own mind to build that. You don't need, you know, special effects, that, you know, that you would in TV to create this whole scene. You can just explain where you are. You know, you're in a room drinking from a cup. I'm seeing what that cup is. I'm seeing what that room is without you even having to say that, you know? Bro, it's crazy you say that because I was thinking, I just like one of the first thoughts I had this morning, like um, everyone's always saying to me, gee, I can't wait for you to make the podcast visual. And of <laughs> course that, that is going to be a, a turning point. But at the same time, the minute you do that, you deny the listener their own opportunity to build their picture in their mind exactly as they want to see it. 100 so It's a double-edged sword. It's kind of like when you read a book and you watch the movie. I mean, it's literally it. that, isn't it? You know, I it feel like that. sometimes I've watched a movie and I feel a bit disappointed. And sometimes I feel like you, you've done well, but it's only because I'm going, right, well, you're close to what my version of that story was in my head. So that's... Yeah, and you know that that means that yeah. you're far from someone else's version. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, for somebody who hasn't listened to your podcast, how would you explain, have you heard George's podcast? What would it be like? I mean, because I think as an audience nowadays, people are used to hearing podcasts like this where I'm having a talk mm. with somebody. They used to have hearing a couple of friends have a laugh, you know. Um, they're used to some stuff which has a little bit of narrative, but yours has a real strong narrative to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess the narrative is my, is my life, um, my perspective my growth as a public voice. I'm just figuring all of this out. The way I would describe it is if you think about that corner of your mind where you feel, but you cannot put words to what you feel. I've tried to create sounds for that corner, I've tried to create a soundtrack. Yeah. So it's like when, when, when I was a kid, I used to watch Disney movies and 
I didn't have a wide vocabulary when I was watching these movies, but I knew that what I felt was like the depths of the ocean and the expanse of the universe. I just didn't have the words for it. So I went back to, and I felt like, I feel like as we get older, we get used to forms of communication that we can all agree on. So we pay less attention to the stuff that can't be communicated because we just assume no one else is going to get it. But with this podcast, I just let go. And I was like, if, if people don't get it, that's fine. But I know what I'm feeling. And, and your feeling is, is all over it. I mean, you talk a lot in both of the seasons about where you come from and, and you know, how society was back when you were younger and how it is today, how some things have changed and how some, thing, some things haven't. I mean, it's, it means something to me that you're from NW10 as well. I mean, I grew up in the end, so, you know. Oh, so I yeah, yeah. So I was, I was more Halsden. So listeners are like, "Oh, we keep talking about ends," but I was more Halsden and, and Stonebridge when I was young, and I moved to Kensal Green. So when I hear that, you know, you grew up in the states, you know, St. Raffs, as we used to call it back yeah. in the day, I, yeah. I started to to, to really visualise and, and connect with you, especially when you spoke about things that resonated uh, in North or Northwest London at that time. I mean, to hop yeah. forward into season two for a sec, when you spoke about Cameron and you spoke about the, the whole Dipset wave, I mean. That for me, as a as a young man in that area, I felt like they were probably one of the most influential rap groups ever, yeah. especially at yeah. that time. I I wanted to dress like Cameron. I wanted to. There was a scene where Cameron steps out of a, a of a pink Range Rover yeah. in, in one of the Dipset videos, and I remember watching that and going, "Geez, that's probably one of the most powerful visions yeah. I've seen of this guy kind of just making everything pink and embellishing the color." I, I used to just write Dipset on yeah. all of my uh, classwork yeah. and all of my school. I just wrote Dipset, Dipset, Dipset <laughs> everywhere. But I appreciate that you're from Northwest. That does that. That already, I feel a deeper connection. It's just, it's just yeah. how it is, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, and and what's great is somebody from for like myself who's I've grown up in it, and so it's great hearing about it. I also feel like you're very inclusive. So if you're not from that environment, you're drawing in a lot of people, and you even take time in your podcast to even come back on certain points and loop back and be like, oh, you might not have got that if you're not from the end. So let me break this down a bit for you. But also when I'm listening to that, I don't feel patronized as well. So that's a really nice balance. I mean, how important is it for you as your podcast for you to make sure that, you know, you address and talk to people in a language that, you know, we can understand, but also the general public can as well, who have no experience of what George's life is like. It's very important, bro. The, the way I see an artist's career it's like a campfire. People come around the fire for the warmth and the light. And you never know who you might end up sitting next to. Right? So if I'm creating that space, I want to make sure that people can come and toast their little marshmallows and talk amongst themselves and not feel like you have to be a certain kind of person to understand me. Yeah. All right. I hear that. And a big part of that also is the, is the visual soundscape as well. And you and Ben Brick worked together real hard to make that happen. Can we talk about your relationship and how that came together? Because that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, Ben Brick's like, he's an angel. He reached out to me when I was still in uni, invited me down to his studio. We chopped it up. We tried a few musical ideas. They were good at the time. But like I said, I didn't feel like I had really landed on my artistic language yet. So, um, I just checked in with him every year. Like, we were always respectful. He was a great out-the-box thinker. That's what I appreciated about him. He would say to me, yo, you should get your poetry in the new GTA game, or you should try and 
make your thing bust in South America. He just he thought differently. So when I came to him at the start of 2018 and I said, I'm working on a podcast, I want it to be cinematic. He had already been working on some film-like ideas and he sent me over some stuff. We just took it from there. Amazing, amazing. And together you have managed to create a number of worlds that are, I'd say, relatable. And then in the second season, we go into a totally different part of your mind. I'm trying to kind of allude to it without kind of breaking down too much. But, you know, you take us on a whole journey into a different part of of the way you think, which is great because you also, I don't know if you, obviously you're aware of this, like you're also break down some quite advanced science it's very educational like your your second season as well like not just in terms of of uh bringing us up to speed in terms of where you're from but you also really you know you discuss things like sleep you break it down in a way that you come off the back of that podcast going wow okay i didn't realize that's how that process worked do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. did you do quite a bit of research into kind of the way the mind works when you were breaking that down it goes back to Benbrick. First of all, thank you so much for really taking it in. This is, it's great to have these conversations where someone's really thought it through. Yeah. Um, Benbrick gave me a book last year called Why We Sleep. I mean, he didn't even give it to me. He was just reading it and he mentioned something about it. I got curious. I read it too. Yeah. And shouts out to the scientist behind it. His name is Matthew Walker. And it broke down in um, like basic terms, really why sleep is like a health uh, health um it's a health issue the amount of sleep that you get and i started thinking really deeply about it i realized that i never valued sleep i grew up thinking that if you can um not sleep for as long as possible that indicates how strong or how focused you are or mm-hmm. how driven you are yeah and yeah. a lot of us have that um culture drained in, um drilled into us but I didn't think that that was how I wanted to continue after reading the book. And I also felt like this is something important to share with my audience from talking about sleep. I can talk to you about my dreams. I can talk to you about health, public health. I can talk about um, science, the science of how the brain works. And it's also important for me in my career to make sure that I am teaching as many different subjects as possible. I struggled in school. Um, my, my grades were okay, but it was hard for me to, like the classroom format didn't fit. And I strongly believe that art is where I really came alive as an academic. And I'm constantly trying to prove that point. Art can be used to teach, you know, not just, not just for things that are perceived as soft, or easy or sky of our kind of ideas, but real neuroscience in this case. Yeah, and, and you actually do, you know, you, you break into that. I mean, and, and something that we probably don't discuss much nowadays is the whole Renaissance period that we had in history where we had art and mm. science working together. To, and we had some of the most amazing visual artwork. You know, we had art like we'd never seen before, but we also had scientific breakthroughs like never before. So I've always been a big fan of art feeding yeah. into uh, other areas, right. like science and science feeding into art as well. Do you know what I mean? So um, I'm, it's I'm amazing. Sure. It's amazing. So look, you've heard me say that I love your podcast. You know, I've listened to it. Uh, many other people have as well, but 
let's go all the way back again to when you first dropped your podcast. It went out there, right? Yeah. The British Podcast Awards were coming along. Can you just explain to the audience how <laughs> your impact on the award ceremonies in 2019? Because it's a wonderful thing, man. Yeah, I mean, I dropped the first episode of the podcast in May 2018 and I was just doing my thing quietly. Shouts out to everyone that engaged them times there because it wasn't many people. Um, and then the British Podcast Awards came along or got in touch a year later when still the podcast wasn't the biggest, you know, it wasn't the biggest name out there. But uh, they reached out to us and said, we heard what you did. I think you should apply for the British Podcast Awards. Um, so we looked at the categories available and I think we applied for like eight different, because the podcast is multifaceted. Yeah. I felt like we qualified for a lot of different categories, maybe applied for seven or eight, and we got nominated for six, seven. Yeah, seven, I think it was, yeah. I think we got, yeah, we got nominated for seven, and we won five golds and two silvers. So mad. let's break this down. You got nominated for seven, and you walked away with seven gongs. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> It's mad. I mean, I'm hyper aware of how hard it is to get a gong, you know, at <laughs> ceremony. Yeah, I mean, look, we we you know we've walked away from this is British Podcast Awards with our with our chest held high. So to hear you walk in there and absolutely smash it to pieces Thank is you. you must you know how did you feel walking away from that? Remember where I said this all started from? I, I tried the music industry and we yeah. had some great times, but it didn't fully work for me. Then I looked into TV and they were saying that I basically couldn't be a producer because I had no writing experience. And I was like, yeah, yeah, watch this. And it took me two years, but by the time that, I mean, it really technically took me three years. By the time the British Podcast Awards came in, it felt like confirmation that I'm not crazy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You know, they saw what I saw. Yeah. 
they saw it and and the podcasting industry did and in the UK I feel like we've always had more room for creativity and for taking audio formats to a direction and to a place that they have not yet been to and you definitely are at the the spearhead of that so when season two came around you collaborated with the BBC right how how did that come together because that was really nice seeing you you know launch your podcast working with BBC Mm. stars yeah, the BBC reached out and they were, to their credit, they were before everyone. They were before everyone. Like I said, I released a podcast very quietly with minimal marketing. I took it straight to the road because I had fans that hadn't seen me for about a year or two. And um, the podcast was just um, doing its own thing until the BBC came along and said, we we see you, you know, we'd like to take take this thing to the next level and they did and how was working with the bbc on this season how did it help you to kind of add more to the to the melting pot with regards to the audio that you used in it well straight up the the bbc helped on clearing a lot of um higher profile music in in chapter one i was working i was trying to establish where i'm at and where I was, it was in the community. Like I said, when I left the music industry, I told them I'm going back to the community, going to try and figure it out from the ground. Um, so I'm using a lot of music from the ground. British, homegrown sounds. I'm talking about the roads. I'm talking about politics. But then in chapter two, because I was with the BBC now, I felt like I had the opportunity to speak to people outside of our world. So I started bringing in music from history music from across the globe music from you know high profile artists who would have otherwise been like a nightmare to get clearance from but the advantage of getting that kind of music is that again it brings more people to the campfire yeah definitely and and i will say to you again there's knowledge in there that it was great to hear like oh yeah knowledge but you also brought some information about certain uk artists and us artists to the table and really broke down where they historically have come from and, and their backgrounds to really kind of put shed them in a new light. I mean, there's a piece that you do about 50 Cent, who's, who's a rapper, or shall I say, he's an entrepreneur or a, a key character that I find. A I mogul. Ha- yeah, a mogul, yeah, yeah. But I feel like he's, he's, he's something else because, you know, when you really look into his story and, you know, if you, the listener, takes the time to kind of read around his history and how he got to where he was, you know under circumstances that I don't really think mo- most people would expect to really get out of alive from. And for him to get to where he is, is a really, you know, interesting story. And you, you managed to pull together some information that I've not quite heard about him before. That's, you know, obviously really well researched. Um, and you also give us some great nuggets about some UK artists as well. Again, don't want to spoil it because I want you to listen to the podcast, but I mean, in terms of your ch- choosing where you wanted to go with this. I know you used your life as an experience, but can, can we just th- talk about how, you're, how you decided to kind of zoom in on each of these? Was it an organic process when you were researching or was there a specific person that you wanted to make sure you should shine light on? Um, well, part of it is from a, I guess from a business perspective, I, I have a schedule. So I know when I'm going to be recording right. and I leave certain things up to the schedule because who I'm going to be at the time of recording can't control that. I can get in place some fundamentals. I can say, I want to make sure that from this chapter, people understand 
the potential of music. Now I think, how can how can I make that point? Then I start working my way backwards. Like, all right, so in order for me to feel satisfied, the audience would have to feel um, they would they would have to like see what I see in particular elements of pop culture. I think pop culture is my muse throughout a lot of this. Really, black pop culture, but it's still popular in it. Mm. So it's like when I look at it, like someone like Fifty Cent, that's a pop star. Everyone knows Fifty Cent. Perfect. I can use the fact that everyone knows him to make a point that everyone can understand. You might with the Fifty Cent episode. What I'm getting at is not everything that glitters is gold. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot more. You, you with this guy, we've known of him for twenty years, and we still don't really get it. Right now, in making that point, that allows me to explain the potential of the young people in my community, who are coming from similar situations. But if I just came up out of nowhere with a megaphone on a soapbox and said there are young people whose parents have been murdered and caught up in the game and yeah, they're figuring it out on their own and maybe they can be... No one's really going to care in the same way that I say, you see that guy over there, the famous one with all the jewels and the muscles? Yeah, let me tell you what really happened. Mm. You see it? So I've got to think about the point I'm trying to make and work my way backwards. Yeah, and, and by doing that, you break things down in a way that can really inspire audience. And, and there's been a few stories and you even mentioned the podcast as well you've received letters, emails, messages saying that the podcast has helped people that were perhaps going to make certain decisions in life and decided to to swing the other way. Um, yeah. And I think that's definitely something that I, I feel is, is, is something that, you know, you, I, I feel like obviously you are also proud of as well, because that's, you've really managed to engage that audience that you want to and, and help to show them, you know, that this is, how someone got to where they want to be, but you know, also at the same time, I don't feel like you over glorify some of the things that people had to go through to get to where they need to be. I mean, I, you actually do mention a viral line that somebody says that you did get a message saying, thank you for helping my brother. Am I correct? In your pod? I get all sorts of messages. Yeah. I, so I can't remember the one that you're talking yeah. about in particular. Uh, I just think on the on the podcast, I think maybe maybe it was a, a, a reference to to a number of messages you got. But you said somebody helped, uh, said thank you. My brother was gonna go out and do something, some madness, but he decided not to after listening to your podcast. Okay, that was yeah, that was a youth worker actually. Okay, mm. all right, Kendra, Kendra Houseman. Okay, shout out to Kendra. Yeah, Kendra House. All right, yeah. So that's you know that's it's great that you're doing that as well. Um, so I'm gonna be annoying now. A lot of people must be asking you about season three, chapter three, sorry, chapter three. Um, is that even on your radar now? Like, how does it, how does it work? Do you wait for the muse to hit you? I mean, you said you've got business time planned in, so, you know, chapter three. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. It's, um, it's, it's coming. Right. I'm into the production of it now. Are you already so in I love the process? Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 It's going to be good. It's better than everything so far. All right. What can you tell us? What do you want to tell us about chapter three? Um, it's going to take my relationship with the audience to another level. All right. That's what I'll say. Okay. 
Elusive. That's that's is that it? That's all we're getting today, then, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. And what else have you been up to around this? I mean, look, I'm 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 not going to presume that you have to be doing loads of stuff because I feel like this podcast is enough for me at the moment. But I always want to know what you've been up to around this. I'm going back to school. I've got questions that no one can answer for me. I just got to sit down and focus. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to step away from my George the Poet role. I'm definitely going to bring my audience with me on that journey. Um, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Um, and another part of something that you discuss as well, something that was a potential idea when you were younger or a theme was this idea about George the MP and mm. how, you know, there was pressure. And also at, at one point, I don't know, I feel like you kind of, you kind of allude to saying that you, you kind of felt like you wanted to go in that direction for a while and then you I chose did. to, but yeah. I presume you're malleable in terms of future terms. Like, like I know you can never say never, but how would you feel about kind of have, having more, it's not fair for me to say you've not got a political voice. Cause I feel like every voice that has is amplified is political as such, but you know, would you ever make that foray into kind of a more formal position in politics again? Um, Formal politics. I think I work. I would work well alongside the formal political process. Okay. Um, but that space, Parliament in particular, would have to transform a lot for me to feel like um, my time is really worth it. My time, not their time. You know, all respect to our MPs and to the whole political process. But me, um, if I would have to enter Parliament and pretend to be less than what I am, or pretend to understand things that I don't understand, or be part of a party that is making decisions I may or may not believe in, but I associate my power and my legitimacy with that party, then I'm not going to do it. Totally understood. Totally understood. I mean, you've said that education um, can be helped by entertainment, and obviously a big talking point in politics at the moment is education because of you know the the recent situation we've had with covid meaning kids can't be in school and the shock have affected them because of that um but with regards to to education we've got people like you who are providing sources of audio that are also entertaining and education educating us as well now marcus rashford is somebody who's obviously made quite a few um moves to help improve young people's lives um from yourself, where, where do you feel like George fits in alongside this? I think you've kind of already answered this saying you want to be like, you still want to be George and you want to be alongside parties. You don't want to compromise who you are, but where do we see George fit alongside this in the future? Well, shouts out to Marcus Rashford. Real talk. That doesn't even do justice. I can't just shout him out. I wish I could, <laughs> I don't know, man. I wish I could express my appreciation for what he represents in a better way. For me, I want to create, like I said, the, the campfire. I want my career to be a space where you can come and have real conversations about what's going on, but not from a defensive place, you know? It's hard speaking in the public and not getting caught up in back and forth. You know, people, people bring all of their baggage to the public space. So if I go on, or if I, on my podcast, say that I turned down an MBE and that gets a lot of press, you get a lot of um, 
people across the country who will just be angry, feeling like I'm attacking what, what matters to them, what's precious to them, the reputation and the legacy of Britain. Um, and we just have different experiences of it. But if we can't, if we're not talking in order to understand and respect each other, then we're just going to be talking to tear each other down. And I want to cr- create a space through my career where we just have better conversations. I'm totally with you on that. And I think a big part of that of society is understanding that we can love something, but also dislike parts of it at the same time. That's uh, right. Yeah. That's right. Most of what we love, we have parts that we dislike. But think about your family and how just the just a random mix of personalities and perspectives. You might not always agree with them, but you accept that they matter and they will always matter. 100%. 100%, man. Um, so, yeah, George, uh, I mean, with regards to yourself... Hello? You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. You're also right as well. Um, you're... What, what can we see from you in, in book format? Do you think um, your podcast could become some form of book format as well? Could it go in that direction? I mean, it's, some, it's, yeah. it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity to, um, to, to try different, to translate the podcast and the creativity that it represents in different formats. Nice. Okay. It's coming. Okay. Say no more. <laughs> right. So, George, what do you do when you're not working, for want of a better set of words? When, when you're kind of having some downtime and you're away from the studio, you're away from the environment where you're writing, what does George, how does he kill some time? I, I, I kill time with uh, my family and, and, and friends, man. That's, that's, that's what it has to be. When I was younger, I didn't. Like I said, you know, like with the sleep thing, you think you're making sacrifices that make you a stronger person. Like, I can't see my family. I can't go sleep. I've got to do my thing. If you listen to my my single, the last single that I released with Maverick Sabre and Georgia Smith, Follow the Leader, that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, yo, I'm just, I'm on a mad one. I don't care. But now I'm not like that. I'm, you know, I like to connect and just listen yeah. and laugh and appreciate the people that I have while they're here. Yeah, I think that's one benefit of lockdown for me, George, is like I've really had time to slow down to the point where I can really enjoy family moments. And it's something that I've really learned from moving forward is to is that time is absolutely precious. There's nothing yeah. that you can put above yeah. At all, yeah. and um, right. yeah, I feel like when I was younger, in the air ends, it was always like you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. Sleep is the cousin of death, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, I did. I, this is funny. I actually had the nickname Busy as well. That you talk about this in the podcast. They used to call me Busy as well, like Busy. Yeah. Anyway. Oh wow! It's well now, done. Yeah, it's now my PSN tag as well, like Busy B. That's that, that's what it was. Like, oh, you're busy, man. Yeah. So. I get um, that. So it was like, yeah, that was quite interesting to hear. I was like, rah. Um, so yeah, so I, I totally get that. And um, yeah, when I was younger, you know, it was all about being busy all the time, you know, busy working, grinding. And now I've kind of really enjoyed spending time with family and slowing down and contacting people that I haven't spoken to for a while. And I think if there's a blessing out of lockdown that 
I can take it. It's, it's that man, you know, it's, it's using technology to make sure that I can be in contact with others and seeing people in person when I can. Yeah, man. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked. Um, well, George, I'd love you to direct our listeners in the direction that you'd want them to go to kind of find out more about you, where they can take in your new content and look for your new bits as well. Yeah, 100%, man. Just follow me on everything, at George the Poet. Check out the podcast on BBC Sounds and all other um, podcast platforms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks. I really thought to just not spit out everything that the pod has done, like um, everything, because mm. there's so much in it. And even though I, I have given quite a few spoilers from season one and two, I really yeah. recommend, sorry, chapter one and two, uh, I really recommend that you give it a listen. It's amazing, man. I, I, I was going for a long drive and I just stuck it on and I, I felt like I'd, I'd, I, it was just an amazing experience. You can binge it. You can back to back listen to it. It's a, it's a great pod. I look forward to chapter three, George, man. Thank you so much. And it's good to Thank see you. someone from NW10 representing as well, man. Likewise, <laughs> I love to see you in position. <laughs> You know it, man. Well, yeah, yeah thank we got, you. We, we got the number one, Northwest got the number one album last week. That's, it, that's the one. Tonight. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, yes. We got the number one album as well. Yes, I'm super happy for that, man. Um, there's plenty of ways to kill some time. Though. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media at How to Kill an Hour and everything. Um, at Marcus Bronzy, B-R-O-N-Z-Y. Plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you for killing some time with us. 365 day returns.